Hey Bruins, uh, what the hell? Alright, that's pretty much all I have to say after last night's game. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. And I'm just joking. This is the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Ian McLaren. And this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we will discuss all things spoke to be as well as take a look around the NHL. Of course, coming up in a moment, we'll recap last night's, uh, what should we call it, collapse against the Florida Panthers. But first, I want to mention that to keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, please follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And you can also find me at ENC McLaren. Please subscribe to Locked On Boston Bruins on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, wherever else you listen, and please also rate and review. To begin the show, like I said, we're going to take a look back at uh, last night's loss to Florida. Uh, After that, we'll open up the mailbag, and then as we do every day, take a quick look around the NHL. should also mention that we have an email address. If you'd like to reach me via email, you can send a note to Locked on Boston Bruins at gmail.com. I believe all I received there so far are Twitter notifications. So if you'd like to be the first to email the show, get your emails in today. So let's just uh, recap the past week in Bruins land, shall we? Or actually this month. Began with a 5-2 win over the Ottawa Senators, which, uh, you know, expected result. Everything remains Groovy for the Bruins. Then we had a game against the Pittsburgh Penguins where the Bruins went up 3-0. Proceeded to allow four straight goals uh, in the second period and then scored the next three in the third period to emerge from that game victorious. So, uh, yeah, things remained okay despite the brief dip in the second period. However, then they go on to lose in regulation to the Montreal Canadiens. They lose in regulation in Detroit against the Red Wings, who at the time were, I believe, 1-11-1 in their last 13 games. They then proceed to uh, go down 2-0 to the Philadelphia Flyers on Sunday, come back to tie the game at 2, and then advance to a shootout where they fell to the Flyers on home ice. And then we have last night's game where the Bruins went up uh, 4-0, at which point I tweeted, uh, what did I say exactly? I said, it's with great joy that I announced the good Bruins are back. And then things slowly devolved from there. Uh, The Bruins allowed the Panthers to come all the way back on four goals in the second period. Uh, the first of which was scored by uh, Aaron Ekblad at the 52nd mark, the fourth of which was scored at the 1821 mark by local boy Keith Yandel. Our old friend Frank Vetrano scored in there as well, and then Mike Hoffman, who we remember as uh, Bruins' uh, killer in the playoffs a couple years ago, scored uh, at about the halfway point of the second. The game remained scoreless through the third period, through overtime, and then uh, Vincent Trocek and Hoffman scored in the shootout. Charlie Coyle was the only player to get on board for the Bruins, and uh, 
we have another loss for the Bruins, which would amount to their fourth straight loss after beginning the season uh, with such positive results. They have now fallen to, uh, let's see here, what's their record at this point? 11-3-4. So, you know, still pretty good, 26 points through 18 games. But, of course, the last four games are problematic and were it not for um, some dramatic uh, comeback against the Penguins, it would, could easily be uh, five straight games that they have dropped here over the last uh, seven or eight days. The Bruins are still third overall, tied with the Oilers with 26 points, and they have a 722 win percentage for uh, fourth overall in the NHL in that category. However, like we said, the last... Uh, several games have been pretty concerning, and um, the last time the Bruins blew a lead of four-plus goals and lost a regular season contest was December 30th, 1989, when they gave up a five-goal lead and lost 7-6 to Toronto. So that's 30 years ago that the Bruins blew a lead as large as the one that they held on Tuesday night and ended up losing the game. After the game, Bruce Cassidy said it's the strength of our team to close out games. We had a 4-0 lead going to the third period. Yeah, it's a concern. A couple of interesting stats that I saw last night on the Twitter machine. Uh, first from Ty Anderson of 98.5, the sports sub. He said Bruins entered the third period with a 194, 1-4 record since 2010 when holding a three-goal lead through 40 minutes. They had a four-goal lead downright inexcusable third period. Cannot disagree. Connor Ryan, uh, he added, uh, Connor Ryan, of course, of the Boston Sports Journal. We've had him on the show before. He said, since the start of the 2010-11 season, the Bruins were 274, 16, and 21 when they have carried a lead into the third period. And, of course, you can add uh, an overtime loss to that record. Uh, I was expecting some got to play our full 60-minute game cliches after the game, and we got one from Captain Zidane Chara. He said, we obviously realized that was not our 60-minute game. I think that we know that we lost a point. It's on us, to which I say, no duh. Um, Chara did add, I think we have to realize teams are ready to play us. We have to elevate our game. I think that a few games before tonight, we were a little bit late with the start of the game. I thought we did a much better job of that tonight, but our finish was not there. We were looking to compete, complete three periods of hockey and play strong for the full time of the game. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's part of it. The Bruins got off to such a great start, coming off a trip to the Stanley Cup final, and teams are um, maybe seeing them as a measuring stick and bringing their A games every night. And the Bruins, over the last five games at least, have not uh, countered that with their best efforts, perhaps. Obviously, the Bruins are um, battling some injury issues, as we mentioned on yesterday's podcast. Jake DeBrusk is out. Uh, Tori Krug was out, most notably, uh, those two players. Um, so when you're missing two key players, that's obviously a disadvantage, but... Not an excuse in today's NHL by any means. Rask uh, said there's so many good players and good teams, especially th these days, no lead is safe. 
you have to be on your toes at all times and kind of build that into your game throughout the season. I guess you've got to take the positives and learn from these kind of mistakes and hope that they never happen again. Well, the reality is it's happened a couple of times in the last week or so. Uh, so obviously that message is not getting through uh, just yet. Um, so yeah, really troubling trends in Bruins land. Uh, and the next two games won't get any easier. They'll be playing the Maple Leafs in Toronto on Friday. Then they travel to, no, sorry, they go home for a game against the Capitals on Saturday. The Capitals are currently the top team in the NHL with 30 points, a 789 point percentage. Uh, we'll get into that later on in the week. Another note from last night's game was that Zach Seneshin left the game early in the second, didn't return with what the team called a lower body injury he only played 446 looks to have injured his knee um cassidy said he's trying to get a foothold on a job here while guys are injured and he's been doing a good job for us it seems like we're losing forwards this year last year it was defenseman now we'll have to rely on someone else to come in the lineup and do the job he's played well for us played hard so you want him to stay healthy and put his best foot forward and get every opportunity but that's hockey sometimes, and hopefully he's not doing too poorly or too badly, and he'll get back in here when he's healthy. So we'll keep an eye on Zach Seneshin injury updates and see if he'll be out of the lineup for any length of time and um, who his replacement might be. Um, I say all this and recognize that it's only November 13th. Um, it's early on in the season. Learned over the years that you can't get too worked up over – um, early season games, especially with a team of this caliber. Um, it is a bit concerning that this has become a trend. They've lost four straight. Uh, they did give up the lead against Pittsburgh in the game that they ended up winning. But um, it's a far cry from how they started the season. Nobody expected them to sustain that success. Uh, the high save percentages, the uh, power play was really helping them. Uh, the top line was playing out of this world. Uh, the secondary scoring has stepped up, but, um, you know, things aren't quite falling into place as they had earlier on. Uh, but that's just hockey. There are ups and downs. The Bruins are in a downswing right now. They're still tops in the Atlantic division um, and, you know, still a wildly talented team with very real Stanley Cup aspirations. Um, I've been mentioning on the podcast before that the, pa the Panthers particularly are a team to watch. I really believe that. Uh, they did not get timely goaltending from Sergei Bobrovsky last night. That's a huge concern for them considering he's being paid $10 million a year. And it's only the first year of his seven-year contract. He is a notoriously slow starter. But the fact that they were able to come back uh, with Sam Mont Montembeau in net... Uh, is indicative of how the season has gone for them so far. If they can get any semblance of even average to good goaltending from Bobrovsky, they have uh, the defense and the offensive weapons to uh, make a dent, and I really believe that they could be a top three team in, uh, the, in the Atlantic Division this season based on how they've been playing um, and the underlying numbers that support uh success coming up here in the future and you know the fact that they were able to pull this off against the Bruins is really telling about this team and the kind of uh, talent that they have so um, yeah 
Very interesting times for the Bruins. A couple days off. I think they have today off from practice. They'll be back on the ice on Thursday to get ready for these couple games coming up against Toronto and Washington. It's time now to take a dip into the mailbag. First question this week comes from Jess Belmosto, who we've had on the show previously talking about the Providence Bruins and who I hope to have on again soon. She asks, it's a few months away, but who would you like to see as a deadline pickup? It's pretty clear right now that the Bruins will be looking for some secondary scoring in advance of the trade deadline and for a a playoff push. Um, Whenever I think about this, I always look to cap friendly and see who's uh, going to be unrestricted free agent uh, in the offseason as those players are most likely to be dealt uh, prior to the deadline. Um, I guess Charlie Coyle aside, the Bruins were able to get uh, some control in that trade last year with the Minnesota Wild as he's uh, remained under contract for this season. But um, I think obviously the top target will be Taylor Hall at the trade deadline. I don't know if the Bruins will be able to swing that uh, as it'll be a pretty hefty price if he's not able to come to an agreement with the New Jersey Devils. I don't believe that they'll be willing to hold on to him and lose him for nothing. Uh, One player that I really uh, think that they might target would be uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot of the Ottawa Senators. He's 27 years old. He's a right-handed shot, can play center or wing. He's got 12 points. Uh, eight goals and four assists through 17 games with the Senators right now. It's making cap hit of $3.1 million. Now the problem here is that the Senators are already ahead of, you know, seeing that he's an attractive trade target. And I believe I saw the rumor was they're going to be looking for like a first and a prospect. So that's a very steep price for a couple months of, um, you know, not, not a – a superstar player, not a star player, I'd say, but just a solid uh, scoring uh, right-hand shot. Um, so, you know, that might be out of the Bruins' price range. They're not unwilling to trade first-round picks. We saw that happen a couple years ago in the Rick Nash trade. But, um, yeah, I don't know if they'd be willing to cough that up at this point. Maybe a guy like um, Tyler Toffoli, he's been mentioned. Uh, as a trade target out of uh, California with the LA Kings. He's also a right-hand shot, a guy who can step in and play alongside DeBrusque and Krejci when they're healthy, 28. He's only got four goals and four assists through uh, 17 games so far. But I think he's, um, you know, he's got loads of talent. would be a great addition to the second line there alongside, um, yeah, Krejci and DeBrusque to give some um, second-line scoring. I think he would be an ideal candidate uh, for the Bruins to pick up. Again, what the uh, price tag would be, I'm not sure, but that's a guy that I would look to uh, for them to, to target would be Tyler Toffoli. Again, he does uh, only have four goals, but he has a 24-goal season under his belt, a 31-goal season under his belt. Uh, he scored 23 goals in 76 games back uh, in 2014-15. Uh, so yeah, he's, you know, a guy who can score 20, 25 with solid line mates, um, off to a slow start, but that's just because the Kings are bad. And, um, so I think my number one trade target would be Tyler to fully, 
Speaking of the Kings, it was reported yesterday by Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet that Ilya Kovalchuk has been kind of told that uh, he won't be in the lineup anymore. He's free to play, or sorry, free to practice with the Kings, but they're not going to play him anymore, which is an interesting situation there. Uh, he is under contract through next season with a cap hit of, I believe, $6.25 million. Um, he carries a no-movement clause this season. It's believed that they're trying to work out a trade. Kovalchuk hasn't made a trade request per se, but um, you know there's a possibility that the team and the player agent could look to um, see if there's a fit for him. I would imagine the Kings would need to pick up some salary on that. If if it's a discount, a very heavy discount, then um, I could see maybe the Bruins looking into that. I know they were heavy on him when he was a free agent a couple summers ago, uh, but he's just not the player that he used to be, and I'd be more comfortable going after a young guy like uh, Toffoli if we're targeting the Kings. So, uh, yeah, Jess, hope that answered your question there. A couple more questions came in from friend of the show, William Nickerson at uh, SquillBill95. He asked, um, how did you get into podcasting? A great question. I used to work for uh, The Score in Toronto. And uh, kind of on the side, I started doing a podcast on my own called Stoop Time. Just an opportunity for me to learn something new apart from writing. uh, To get into getting more comfortable talking on a microphone, uh, interviewing people, having recorded conversations. Uh, You can still find that on iTunes, I believe, or Apple Podcasts, um, some some of those old episodes. Um, one of them was with Rich Peverly. I was able to talk to Jeremy Taggart from Our Lady Peace, uh, Jonathan Torrens from uh, Trailer Park Boys and other uh, Canadian productions. So it was a, a pretty good experience, and I was able to kind of translate that into this, and I'm very happy, obviously, doing this daily Boston Bruins podcast. He also asked, what is your go-to drink while watching Bruins games? Uh, full disclosure, I have a gluten allergy, uh, so I'm not able to drink beer. I uh, really enjoy gin and tonics, but mostly I drink um, ciders. There's a, a brewer, uh, sorry, uh, whatever it's called, a cider maker, cider cidery up here in Toronto called Brickworks. I'm very fond of their products. Uh, there's a mint basil one that I uh, quite enjoy and uh, that I partook of throughout the run last year uh, to the cup. Um, so Brickworks is probably my go-to uh, cider brand um, while watching Bruins games. William also asked, with the injuries piling up, the team's skidding right now, do you see a trade happening sooner rather than later at the deadline? Um, I don't believe Sweeney will rush to make a trade. I could see him exploring some options. I mean, there's a clear hole at the second line right wing position. So I could see Sweeney, you know, asking around, gauging interest around the league. With all these injuries, it's hard to gauge what they could give up in return. Um, Ideally, you'd want to deal from a position of strength so as not to be, you know, giving up more than you need to 
from a general manager that knows that you're in a bit of a bind. Uh, so I don't think Sweeney will rush to make a deal, but I believe he's keeping his options open, uh, talking around, seeing what's available, what the cost would be. And um, I don't think he'll be pressured into making a deal, but I could see um, him pulling the trigger on a deal just because of the fact that uh, this team is an incomplete roster, in my opinion, and needs that top six help. Um, so I don't think he'll be waiting till the deadline, but um, could be open to making a move at any point in the season. Speaking of making a move, make sure that your lineup is fully prepared and that you're not shooting blanks. Checking out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a chewable, FDA-approved product that contains the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you'll be ready to play a full 60, maybe even into overtime. And because it's chewable, BlueChew works fast, so you'll never have to worry about being ready to go. Made in the USA, BlueChew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in discreet packaging, making the whole process easy, convenient, and cheaper than pharmacy alternatives. Right now, we've got a special deal for listeners of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping fee. Blue Chew makes it easy for you to perform with confidence. B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W dot com. Use promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free. To wrap up today's show, let's take a quick look around the NHL. Big injury news. Pittsburgh Penguins uh, superstar center Sidney Crosby is considering surgery for a sports hernia that he's been dealing with since training camp, I believe, and he could miss four to six weeks. Uh, I'm a keeper fantasy owner, so that distresses me quite a bit. And uh, like I mentioned with Mitch Marner the other day, seeing superstar players of that caliber missing time is, uh, yeah, just bad for hockey in general because you want to see the best available talent on the ice night in and night out. Uh, so that's unfortunate if he's forced to miss that kind of time. The Rangers uh, beat the Penguins last night, and rookie Capo Caco enjoyed his first multi-game goal of the season. Uh, so it's cool to see him uh, bust out like that, speaking of uh, high-end talent. Colorado Avalanche are without their top two goalies now, as Pavel Francouz was injured 41 seconds into their game against the Winnipeg Jets. Rookie goalie Adam Werner made 40 saves in a shutout in his NHL debut, but uh, the Avalanche are now without Philip Grubauer and Frank Kuz, uh for a, a little bit now, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, and the Coyotes continued winning. They beat the Blues 3-2, uh, ending St. Louis's seven-game winning streak, which you hate to see. The San Jose Sharks are also picking up steam. They... Uh, have won their fourth straight, beating the Oilers 6-3. Eric Carlson picked up three assists in that one. Dreisaitl had a goal and an assist to increase his scoring lead. And the Detroit Red Wings also um, picked up their third straight, beginning with their win over the Bruins on Friday. 
that's three wins for them in the Robbie Fabry era, which is uh, pretty cool to see and kind of eases the sting a bit of the loss on Friday, seeing that they didn't just go back to their losing ways right after that. I mentioned the Kovalchuk situation. Um, he could be bought out in the summer or at any point. Um, but since he's on a 35 plus contract, the cap hit would still count for 2020, 2021. So what would be the point of that? The best thing would be to, um, try to trade him and have someone pick up part of his salary. I mentioned Jesse Pulgarvi the other day, Darren Drager on TSN's insider trading. He said he believes Oilers GM Ken Holland is fine with Jesse Pulgarvi remaining in Finland for the season. Some teams continue to inquire about him ahead of the December 1st signing deadline. Um, They will continue to investigate and scout the restricted free agent. That would be the interested teams, of course. Uh, Drager claims one team would like Pugliarvi to return to the NHL to evaluate him on the smaller ice service. And um, Pierre Lebrun added in that segment that the Sabres are looking for a top nine forward after Vladimir Sabotka was injured uh, last week playing in Sweden. He has no idea if the Sabres are interested in Pogliarvi, but um, the Sabres have uh, a surplus of defensemen and have been stumbling a bit in the playoff race, playoff race, in the standings. They're currently uh, outside the wild card picture, two points behind the Maple Leafs, albeit with two games in hand. Um, they were at one point tops in the Atlantic maybe even the NHL, if I remember correctly. Um, But they've kind of regressed a bit as well. Um, So that's, um, yeah, what the Sabres are looking at. Uh, I don't think they want to waste that start that they had. They want to try to get butts in the seats as long as they can and make a push for a playoff spot. Although I think the Atlantic division is proving to be the toughest uh, in the NHL. And there's at least, yeah, all six teams minus Detroit and Ottawa, will be vying for a playoff spot. And only five max, as we know, can make it, uh, depending on what happens over in the Metropolitan Division. Um, So uh, interesting times. And uh, we'll see how that shakes out for the Atlantic Division. Power rankings uh, come next week. That's pretty much it for today's show. I'm just going to update the scoring lead. Uh, Pasternak scored on uh, Tuesday, so he remains in the lead in the Rocket Richard race with 16 goals. He is one up on Leon Dreisaitl, who scored his 15th. Um, In terms of points, Pasternak is now tied for second with Connor McDavid at 31 points. Marshan one point back at 30 points. Dreisaitl, as I mentioned, has 36. McDavid with 31 uh, ahead of the two Bruins. so on tomorrow's show, we'll do the All the President's Men, looking at the NHL's top five teams. Uh, we'll also try to update Senechin injury news and what the lineup might look like in advance of Friday's game against Toronto. And then later on in the week, we'll uh, have a guest on to help tee that game up. Hope you all have a great day. Please don't stress too much about the collapse last night. It is only November, as I mentioned. Still a lot of hockey to go. This is a very good team, and they will break out of this funk although the next two games uh, won't make it easy on them. Uh, But hopefully they can get it going against Toronto on Friday. Hope you all have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. 
your favorite team every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.